Welcome to the Best Player Wins Podcast, where we believe that winning is winning, no matter by how little or by how much. We are your hosts. I am Nate Andres. And I am Eddie Quinones. And my boy, it is great to have you back. So welcome. Good to be back. I took a much-needed hiatus. Um, as most of you know, since I shared in the chat, I was little bit frustrated back then when I took a step away from the podcast from some of the trades that were going on, but something that maybe most of you didn't know that was also happening in the background was I was trying to finish out uh, my CPA exams. There are four different exams that you take to become a licensed certified public accountant. I just finished my last exam about a week and a half ago now, so waiting for the score on that, but I feel pretty good about it feel like I'm probably done at this point. Again, find out my score officially next week, but felt like it was a good time to jump back into the podcast now that I have a lot more free time since, you know, those exams, they were taking my free time five days a week, minimum two to three hours a day. So this podcast, um, when I just wasn't having fun with it and it started to feel more like a chore for the precious free time I already had, it was just, it was time for me to take a break back then, but I'm back. I'm excited to be back. I'm excited to be Jumping back into this with you every week, Eddie. Yeah, and uh, of course, we had a conversation kind of when all that was going down. And, you know, I'd let you know, take the time that you need. It's understandable. I mean, you need your time. You need personal time. You need to enjoy the things that you do. Um, and I know that you're a busy man. Work never lets up for you, and you never let up on yourself. So I think it was it was a uh, much-needed time for you to take off, and I'm happy for you to be back. I'm glad, and I'm excited to keep this train rolling. Yeah, I appreciate that. Appreciate you carrying the baton while I was out. And big thanks to Jake for stepping yeah. in for the majority of the weeks that I was out and doing a great job. I know Nick did an episode, Mike did an episode. So all the guests that you had on to kind of take my place over these past, what does it, what has it been now? A month and a half, two months. They've done a About, great job, yeah. but a uh, special pat on the back to Jake because he's definitely carried the brunt of sharing hosting responsibilities with you. And he did a great job. So and that was actually echoed to me by other people in the league that they really enjoyed having Jake or listening to Jake be a co-host every week. So great job to Jake. But without further ado, let's jump into this week's episode. It is our 11th episode of the 2021 season. We're in week 11, ironically. So uh, for our main content this week, we are going to be going over, as always, the prior week recap, the standings update and matchup previews, but this week we're also actually going to take a little bit of a deep dive into a couple of the teams in our league, and I I presume, Eddie, that you probably chose teams that are still alive, that are not totally shut down, at least that's what I tried to do, but I guess we will get into that once we dive into that main segment this week, but let's go ahead and start off with our prior week recap. Eddie, give me your biggest upset coming out of week 10. I think this one was a, a pretty interesting one, and, and you might have the same option here. And I had Michael versus Damon. Um, obviously, Damon, in terms of our rankings and standings, is a little bit higher than Michael, um, and Michael kind of needs to keep winning out and keep hitting that league median to keep his playoff hopes alive and, and kind of make that last-minute last, last minute push here. Um, and he did so. Uh, his, his team put up nothing really ridiculous, nothing compared to kind of some of the big hitters in our league right now, but he put up a, an honorable 140.98. He had a, fle- a few players play really well. Uh, Diggs had 30 points. Gibson had 21 points. And uh, Ezekiel Elliott had 20 points. 
he did have some, a few players kind of just not perform very well. But even with that being said, he was still able to pull off the upset here um, and kind of catch that catch that W this week. So that's who I had. Who'd you have? Yeah, I had the same. I mean, it's it's tradition for this podcast to have the same picks. I had the same pick for biggest upset. God of the Super Saiyans versus the Rickus Rick. I did think about going with Kyron over Lucas here because but um, Lucas's team has kind of been on a free fall for quite some time now. So it only felt right to give props to Big Money Mike this week over a tough opponent in Damon. Uh, the story of this matchup was really the underperformance from Damon's usual stat padding quarterback and wide receiver duos, um, along with Mike's unusual big week from his running back room. So for Damon, Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts combined for under 34 points which wouldn't even be atypical for just one of them to score as an individual performance on any other given week. And, you know, alongside that, his top two wide receivers were even worse. Michael Pittman Jr. and A.J. Brown combined for less than 15 and a half points this week. Just a brutal week for the Rickest Rick. And then on the other side, Mike, Antonio Gibson and Ezekiel Elliott finally got in sync, scoring 20 points each during the same week that was pretty much unheard of for Mike through this week. Um, But not to mention Stefan Diggs finally had that huge week that we've all been waiting on scoring over 30 points. And then Tyler Conklin, his kind of fill in tight end while Rob Gronkowski has been sidelined for a while. He even chipped in 16 points himself. And the crazy part about Conklin's performance is he only had 11 total yards in that game, scored 16 fantasy points. He just happened to catch two goal line touchdown passes, and that's how he got there. So an overall great win by Mike here to keep the playoff spot in play, keep his team alive. Uh, I'll go ahead and give, give you my biggest takeaway. I feel like most of the time, at least over the past few weeks, I've heard you guys discuss the league median as part of your biggest takeaway. I'm going to keep that tradition because I take exception with how low the league median has been over these last two weeks. It's been... The league has been absolutely crawling through these injury-ridden bye weeks during this middle part of the season. And to provide some context, the league median has been stupidly low these past two weeks, sitting at just over 128 in week nine, and then around 120 points last week in week 10, compared to medians of 159 and 154 in weeks four and five, back when the season was still pretty young, bye weeks were just starting, not as many injuries. So we're seeing over a 30-point swing in the median from early in the season to now, this past two weeks. It's just been so, so low. Uh, so pretty crazy that the, uh, the league has been affected so much by these bye weeks and these injuries. What's your biggest takeaway, Eddie? I, I quite honestly, it's, it, it's similar and along those lines, uh, but it's really looking at some of those higher-scoring teams that traditionally have been killing it plummeting and then some of those really low scoring teams kind of turning it around a little bit so just for an example i mean kyron for the past two weeks has absolutely killed it his team has been doing really well if they would have done this earlier in the season we would have been having a different conversation about his team just in general um but he's been doing really well i mean they put up 159.76 points last week um and if you look at some of the big hitters from earlier in the year like sean's team uh you look at the thundercats jc's team jc had 109 thundercats had 118 uh, Sean had 95, uh, and then again, Lucas had 97 points, um, a really big switch 
right now. And I think you can attest that to some of the big players have gotten hurt kind of throughout the season. And some of those teams that were dropping really big points had some of those bigger name players. And again, bye weeks are also a part of that issue, but you can kind of see that kind of starting to set in. And then someone like Kyron who had to pick up some backups along the way and do different things like that. He's actually reaping from those benefits because he has some of those on his rosters. So just kind of the switch in momentum between kind of those lower scoring teams and higher scoring teams is my biggest takeaway. Yeah, that's a good thought because I think I would guess the consensus of the league is that there are one to two to maybe three teams at the very top of the standings that seem like they're out of reach when you try to stack up your own roster compared to theirs, right? But the saying is any given Sunday, right? So the even the teams that you perceive are the worst in the league, on any given Sunday, they could have two to three players have career days and they pull off an upset of a team that was widely expected to win. So, And that'll continue into the playoffs, especially as there are a couple more injuries, I'm sure, that'll trickle in between now and then. So it is certainly not over for um, not just the teams that are kind of sitting on the outside looking in right now, but even some of the lower-seeded playoff teams definitely don't feel like you're out of it compared to the you know number one, number two, number three seed because any team that makes it into playoffs can win in a one-week playoff matchup, which is exactly what our league yeah. settings are. Um, but that takes us into the top three standings update. We have Scott, the Thundercats, at number one with a 16-4 and four record. We have a new number two uh, currently in, po- in position to take that, you know, the second spot for the first round by. That would be me, Otis and the Bell Cows, with a 14-6 and six record. I hold the points scored tiebreaker over JC, who is in third place. Scooby and the gang, he also has a 14-6 and six record. But again, I jumped in because I have more points scored than him. That could uh, could switch back this week because JC and I are playing each other. So we'll see if he takes the head-to-head win on me. Um, obviously, he would be in a better position to to kind of reclaim that that bye week positioning. But uh, I took uh, I took what two months off the podcast, some PTO. I'm trying to claim some more PTO with this first round bye, baby. <laughs> so I'm trying. I play JC this week. I play Scott next week. I'm trying to kick some ass take some names, and take that number one seed so that I don't even have to worry about fighting for a bye week. And I'll tell you what, even if uh, – well, JC would take the head-to-head anyways, but, I mean, you have about a 150-point gap on him right now anyway, so it'll, it'll be a tough way for him to climb back. Um, but I, I think – did you guys play each other earlier in the season? I can't remember. Uh, if we did, I can't remember, but, again, that head-to-head – I don't, I don't think factors in at all this year since we changed the tiebreaker yeah. to, to the points for. So it would just be JC would have to outscore you by 150 points to take away that second spot. Or finish with a better or record. Or finish with me, a right? better record. Yeah. I, see your, I see Nixie, your cat, in the background. Yeah, Love she, that. Uh, she's been running around drinking <laughs> some water right now. But I, uh, I decided to move our trade segment a little bit earlier in the episode. I, I've been listening to the to the podcast the last couple of weeks and i noticed from how we how jake and i ran the baseball podcast we would always kind of lead the main segment mm-hmm. or segue into it with trade talk and, and i liked how we did that and i noticed last year and i guess even starting this year we would kind of keep it for the end of the episode but i felt like it was appropriate to move it up because that's yeah. the exciting thing people want to people want to hear the breakdowns and the analysis mm-hmm. of the trades that they made so i figured 
let's start moving that up right after the standings update. So let's let's dive into the recent trades that were made since last episode. There's been three of them. And again, as always, we'll just talk about our gut reactions because obviously these are pretty fresh trades. We don't know how they're going to age just yet. So the first of the week since last episode was a trade between me and Nick. That's rare, right? Um, so it's a very special occasion. I'm I'm back on the podcast and Nick and I made made a trade. So getting a really special episode here. I gave up Jerry Judy and Dallas Goddard. And in return, Nick gave me Kyle Pitts. Eddie, what was your initial reaction to this trade? I, honestly, I think it was a, a pretty even trade across the board. I think uh, picking up Kyle Pitts, his stock is probably a little low right now just because he's, he's boomer bust for the most part. I mean, he's, he's busted once and he's boomed twice so far this year. Uh, other than that, he's kind of been sitting around his, his average, but with Calvin Ridley being out, um, I just see the, the opportunities coming to him. I mean, he's getting the targets. He's got within his last four games after the bye, he's gotten eight targets, six targets, seven targets, and seven targets. So, I mean, he's getting the opportunities. Um, he's getting the yards. He's got 163 points, obviously, week seven. That was kind of an outlier there. But uh, following week, he didn't do so great. Carolina's defense is really good. I mean, uh, Gilmore was shadowing him, I'm pretty sure, the entire day. So, He's not going to face many, many people like Gilmore for the rest of the year. Um, And then he had 62 yards of 60 yards the week after that. He just needs a touchdown here or there. And I think his his points total can improve very well. Um, And again, Dallas Goddard, I think it's an upgrade from Dallas, obviously. Um, And then Jerry Judy coming back. I think it's a good wide receiver depth piece for uh, for Nick to have. So I think overall is a pretty even trade. It was a kind of like a, a need for a need and, didn't mind it so yeah and then from my perspective i'll start off by saying i really like jerry judy let's put it into context he had a high ankle sprain this year which is certainly tough to come back from and and even potentially perform at 100 percent. so that's why i was pretty okay with including him in most offers that i was that i was sending out or at least trying to send out to upgrade at tight end but given let's say a two-month sample size the next time that we see Jerry Judy at full health, I would expect him to be no less than a fantasy wide receiver too, as in a top 24 wide receiver. So I do like Jerry Judy. I'm not totally sure he's going to put it together between now and the end of the season. I just don't know if he's at full health. Um, and obviously it's a little bit crowded with the receiving corps in Denver with Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant. Um, so I do like Judy. Um, and I even liked Goddard. Like he was kind of like a middle of the road, usable tight end, but he wasn't mm-hmm. going to give you anything special. But for me... I'm kind of chasing Scott honestly did a great job with his draft has put together an awesome team and has has had that awesome team virtually since the very start of the season. He's kind of been the guy that I've been chasing of, do I feel like my roster stacks up with every other team in the league? And until I made this trade to get Kyle Pitts, I felt like the answer was no for, for Scott's team in particular, because he had no holes in his lineup because his tight end is TJ Hawkinson. So he not only has, the quarterback duo of Herbert and Kyler, which is amazing. He has Mixon and Swift, which is an amazing running back duo. He has unreal wide receivers, Debo Samuel, Jamar Chase, DK Metcalf. And I know he has one more big name receiver too. I can't remember. Chris Godwin. And then he has TJ Hawkinson. So he literally has no lineup holes, right? I have a very similar lineup aside from, before I made this trade, tight end. Dallas Goddard was just kind of like a usable option. 
Um, I don't necessarily think that Kyle Pitts is like a top three to four uh, tight end yet, but I do think that he has the potential to be that and even potential to get there by the end of this season because now Calvin Ridley is out. He was their top option in Atlanta. They traded Julio Jones over the offseason, obviously. So Kyle Pitts is kind of like the only big name target, I guess, besides Cordero Patterson, who's now hurt. And even he is he's been kind of splitting time at running back. So I feel like unless defenses are suffocating Kyle Pitts, it only makes sense that he would now have a breakout just even due to volume alone. Um, so that's kind of why I targeted him, but I don't want to speak too much and take up 10 minutes of the podcast episode just talking about my trade. So let's move on to the next one. There's another trade that Nick made, uh, similar kind of format to the first one, but he gave up two players instead of receiving the two players this time. He gave up Josh Jacobs and T. Higgins, and in return, he got from Mike Stefan Diggs. I'll lead us off with this one. I thought it was a pretty good trade. I think it would have been a great trade if Mike also got Kenyon Drake from Nick because that is Josh Jacobs' handcuff, and not just Josh Jacobs' handcuff. Kenyon Drake has been a viable flex play for most of this season. So if Josh Jacobs were to get hurt, Kenyon Drake gets elevated from already a viable flex play to a surefire running back too. So I think Stephon Diggs is, is certainly worth adding the extra handcuff piece to Josh Jacobs and T. Higgins. I don't think that the value was worlds apart for it just being Jacobs and Higgins for Diggs, but I think that Diggs is talented enough and valuable enough that Michael should have commanded Kenyon Drake also in return for this deal, and I would have loved it. I just simply am okay with it, somewhat like it, without Kenyon Drake in the deal. Obviously, Nick's getting a great wide receiver, a wide receiver one in Stephon Diggs, so I don't necessarily have to speak to his side of the deal. Yeah. What were your thoughts on it? Um. Kind of very similar. Uh, T. Higgins, uh, when healthy and and when he does play, I mean, he missed two games and that kind of hurt his position ranking pretty badly from where he's at right now. And if he plays those two games at what he's averaging, he's inside the top 20, most likely. Um, And then same thing with Josh Jacobs. Uh, His positional ranking is also hurt. He missed two games earlier in the season Uh, with his averages right now. If he's playing, he's obviously a tail end RB one at the most, if not an RB two for sure. Um, so not bad. Obviously, Stefan Diggs is kind of one of those higher tiered wide receiver ones that you probably shoot for when you're when you're looking for a wide receiver. So honestly, a, a wide receiver two. Um, currently, he's sitting at a wide receiver three because he's not even in terms of statistically of what he's doing. Uh, Cause he missed those two weeks. That's kind of where he's sitting, but I, I look at T Higgins as a wide receiver two and an RB two for a wide receiver one. I don't think it's a horrible exchange. I think what you mentioned is, is definitely a great point with Kenyon Drake. Um, think he should have tried to get Kenyon. And if he had, if Mike had to throw a, a small piece in there, I think he has more than enough on his bench to, to really fill that spot in with, I mean, AJ green could have been a spot that you could just throw in there. Uh, you got a couple other players like Van Jefferson at the time could have been a piece to just throw in there to fill. So, um, again, not horrible, but I think Mike probably could have, could have made a made out a little bit better here, but yeah, I, I think overall is a fine yeah. trade. Yeah. One thing I know about my brother, he doesn't care about filling pieces. Like he's not just yeah. going to take an extra piece just to move the needle a little bit, Agreed. but I will say to Mike's credit, I learned um, through Mike sharing with me, that Nick started by offering Cole Beasley and Miles Gaskin for Stefan Diggs. So 
This is certainly <laughs> that's a, better, a great increase. For- <laughs> this is certainly a better oh return God. than the initial offer. Um, hopefully, I didn't play spoiler there with Nick's strategies, but uh, credit to Mike for working Nick up to the eventual official trade. Credit to Nick for being willing to actually part yeah. with legitimate value to get Stefan Diggs. And I will say this, I don't think it's much of a spoiler on Nick's uh, trade strategy. I think everyone's heard from Nick at one point or another, so they, they know what he's about. So, <laughs> but yeah. Hey, uh, you, you never know unless you ask. I think that's exactly. probably Nick's philosophy. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, yeah, I agree. Well, let's get into our last trade of the week. Another two for one, and it just happened a little bit earlier this evening. Uh, a great trade, in my opinion. Scott gave up Jalen Waddle and Jamison Crowder, and he got in return from Jake Michael Carter, I'll let you kick us off with your thoughts on this, Eddie. I think Michael Carter slept on a little bit. Um, Carter's a really good piece. I tried to get him a while back, um, kind of working some trades out with Jake and just figuring out kind of what we can make happen. And I think Carter was one of the pieces that I really wanted to focus on because I knew, okay, he's, I mean, he's RB1 with the Jets right now and they desperately need a running back. Um, their, Their quarterback play hasn't been tremendous. Joe Flacco is starting this week as well. So I think that just helps Michael Carter's case because um, he's going to get the ball. So I thought overall for both sides, I think it's a really good trade. Um, but I do like the the Michael Carter edition here for Scott. So I'm with you to a T. Um, I think that it was a perfectly even trade and Jake got exactly what he was looking for. He posted in the group chat, hey, I'm looking for a wide receiver. I'm willing to part with a running back to get it. But if we're talking about team context, I like the fit for Scott more. It's not to say that I don't like it for Jake. It's just that I can easily think of the position that Scott's in because I think that my team is in a very similar position to him. The one advantage that I felt that my roster had over Scott's was that I had three viable running backs. He only had two. He had DeAndre Swift and Joe Mixon. And he had, I believe, at least DeAndre Swift locked up with Jamal Williams as his handcuff, but he didn't really have a third running back that was a legitimate fantasy play, you know, if if not for injury, right? I have James Robinson, Jonathan Taylor, and Nick Chubb, so I thought my team is a little bit more bulletproof to injury than Scott's team is, even though our starting lineups are very similar, and his, his is probably honestly even a little bit better than mine, um, but our overall roster build was very similar, except that I had a third startable fantasy running back, regardless of whether someone was hurt. And Scott got that third startable fantasy running back in this trade, and, and a good one at that. You already described. I agree with you that Michael Carter is underrated. He's been very good this year. His low games have not even been that low. I think they've his, most of his low games have hovered around nine points. You're disappointed, sure, if you're starting that guy in your RB2 spot if he puts up nine points, but that's not losing you the week. So Michael Carter has been very good this year, and it's been a, a major surprise to me at least because we didn't even know who the starting running back was going to be in preseason for the Jets. We were, I think a lot of people were thinking Tevin Coleman. Some people maybe were thinking Ty Johnson. Yeah. Michael Carter is the guy that's not only uh, the most relevant of the group, but he is a legitimate running back too for fantasy which is pretty cool to see out of the Jets since they haven't had somebody super relevant for a while now. And and coming out of the bye week, out of their bye week, uh, week seven, he had a total of 11 attempts and eight catches. The following week, he had 15 rushing attempts, nine catches. The week after that, he had 13 rushing attempts and only one 
reception. And then last week he had 16 attempts with four receptions. So he's touching the ball at least after the bye week almost 20 times a game, which that's a great spot to be in as a running back. So that's workhorse yeah. for, you know, by standards of 80% of the league. Maybe not workhorse for like a Derrick Henry. Yeah. yeah. But that's workhorse for the non freak athlete running backs. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so. so. Those are our those are your trades that have taken place uh, since week ten. We'll hopefully have more to share with you guys next week. Let's get into our team deep dive. So we are going to be specifically breaking down, providing a little bit of analysis for, and we made we haven't shared these picks with each other yet, but we did a team on the rise and a team on the tumble. And I'm actually going to lead us off, Eddie, because I don't want you to snipe me for the team on the rise. I don't often talk about myself on this podcast, or at least I try not to in terms of being biased, but I also try to approach this podcast with very fair, uh, give credit where credit is due. And my team has definitely been the team on the rise. So over the last eight weeks, Otis and the bell cows have gone 14 and two with only one of those losses coming against the league median. And that loss only came by 2.19 points. So, my team has been on an absolute heater since the close of week two. Um, and as I said, normally I try not to grossly pat myself on the back, but I try to be fair on this podcast and throughout my history as host, I've called things as I've seen them. Instead of marveling at my own management, though, I'm actually going to offer the feather in my cap, so to speak, to everyone that's, that's listening this week. I credit my success this season to a simple philosophy. Every single move that you make matters. Now, this might not be news to some of you, but allow me to explain through a couple of what I call transaction trees. So I'm going to start with a pretty simple one. What if I told you that a kicker that I picked up way back in week six helped me land that Amari Cooper deal that you and Jake discussed on last week's episode? I think it did. Here's what happened. Back on October 13th, I added Nick Folk, who was the number one kicker in fantasy football back then. Among... Many other players in that trade. I traded him to Kyron, who rostered the number 27 kicker at the time, obviously an unusable kicker, Seattle's Jason Myers, in a deal that got me Russell Wilson, Adam Thielen, and Chase Claypool. And it took me a little while, but a month later, I traded Daniel Jones and Chase Claypool for Amari Cooper. That one wasn't too complex. So how about this one? I added Jared Goff to stream during Dak Prescott's bye week. Before the week was over, I targeted Alexander Madison from Lucas, who was a manager with an upcoming QB bye week, and he had no need for Alexander Madison since he didn't own Dalvin Cook. Um, so I ended up trading him, Jared Goff, for Alexander Madison. About a week or so later, I trade Madison to Eddie, the manager holding Dalvin Cook, for a top three at the time, Saints defense. And then 30 minutes after that trade process the next day, I trade the Saints defense and a depth piece in Van Jefferson to Mike, which was the team in dire need of a viable flex play that week due to a mix of bye weeks and injuries for the number one in the league Bills defense. So I was able to turn Jared Goff, a guy that I was one day away from dropping at the time, into the number one defense in the league. Now, sure, I just described what was already public information, but understand the strategy behind my moves. Each move started with an ad of a player that had presumably low trade value, 
But the idea is to identify inefficiencies in the market and add those guys that although they have low trade value, you know that they would have trade value to particular teams. Then you reach out to those managers and don't necessarily tell them what they need, right? But you offer your assessment of what you think that they might be looking for and just ask them to confirm, hey, is this what you're looking for, right? If they see it the same way, you have an opportunity to deal for something useful to you, whether that be for your lineup directly or for use in a future trade, which I think is another market inefficiency that I try to use to my advantage. Case in point, trading for Madison because I knew that you, Eddie, would be interested in him later. Eventually, you can kind of barter your way from something that was presumably worthless on waivers to a difference-making talent for your team. And I think that's really the key to why I haven't missed a championship round yet in this league. Obviously, I make a lot of trades every season, and I think it's kind of built on this premise of you can take something and barter it in the right circumstances to not help you in one trade, which I think is is kind of like the missing piece that some managers don't get. You don't need to build a championship roster with one trade. It's a series of small moves that are like building blocks that snowball into something large. So hopefully that message tracks and hopefully none of you hold it against me in future negotiations because you know I'm trying to build a better team, right? I'm only sharing because I want to see our league get better and more competitive. So that's my team on the rise. That is my uh, soapbox message of the week. Eddie, who do you have? First of all, do you have anything to add? Uh, I think you covered almost everything that I had to say. Uh, if you've been listening to the podcast over the past couple of weeks, when, when that set of trades went through, I had mentioned something very similar to this, kind of what you were talking about here, kind of building little trades to make your way up the market and figuring out kind of the big piece and the big deal. Um, and I had mentioned it and it's something that immediately popped into my head. I saw you pick up obviously those couple moves at the Saints defense and Madison and all those different things. And I said, I know those pieces are eventually going to work their way around to get himself something better. Um, and he's going to look at teams that are going to need him, like myself with Alexander Madison. Um, I had been talking to Lucas or at least messaging him. Wasn't much of a conversation because it, it was just a one-way conversation, but I'd been reaching out for most of the year about Madison. And, and at the time, um, I forget who his running back was at the time, but I had their handcuff at the running back position. Said, hey, let's just swap some handcuffs and things. And obviously those things didn't go through, but you seized the opportunity, jumped on that moment and knew that you had enough to get Madison because you knew what Lucas needed, um, got Madison and kind of flipped that. So my team on the rise is your team. I think it's, it's pretty simple and pretty easy to see. Um, no team over the past three, four weeks has been more successful than you have in terms of trading and in terms of just kind of jumping up the, uh, the standings. So I take my hats off to you. You've done a tremendous job in kind of turning your season around. Um, I think it's a little bit too big of a coincidence. Now that you're winning, you want to hop back on the podcast a little bit, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll let it slide. <laughs> I had to wait until I had again. I had to wait until I moved up to that bye week position and to get to get back yeah, on this podcast yeah. so I could. He uh, said, "Let me let me wait till my name is solidified within the top three for a couple of weeks." And he's like, "I'll jump no, back." Yeah, on I'm here. not I'm not coming back until I'm in the top two. That's yeah. what I told Eddie <laughs> when I quit. But uh, but let's stop no, talking about my team because truly I'm not. Yeah. yeah. Um. So that's who I had, and I actually had a a little bit of a curveball here. Uh, a team that over the past couple of weeks has been doing really well. Um, and I, I wanted to give an, an honorable mention to his team. Obviously he's out of playoff contention. So 
this point could be a little irrelevant, but it, it kind of comes to show that his team is turning around a little bit. And it's Kyron's team over the past two weeks. He's been four and oh against the league median and head to head wins. Um, if you look back even before that in the past three weeks, he's forward too. So he's done a pretty good job towards the tail end of a season. He's trying to finish strong. So he doesn't finish in last place. And he's trying to push me down there and just shove me and kick me. So we'll see how that goes, but. Um, yeah, Kyron seems been on a little bit of a heater. Yeah. He just happened to wait until he was eliminated to yeah. <laughs> uh, to go on the run. Exactly. So that's who I have on my team on the rise. Um, so moving on from there, go ahead to the team on the tumble. Uh, I think this one was a pretty easy decision for me. This team has been on the tumble for quite a while now. I'm um, after getting off to a really hot start, uh, but it's Lucas's team. Uh, he just has not. His team has not been doing well at all. He's barely been scratching over the 100 mark or barely trying to get to it over the past few weeks. Um, his team has just not performed at the level that it needs to perform at. Um, some of his big hitters and some of his big players from earlier in the season just honestly haven't been doing so well. Uh, he's also had Gronkowski, who's one of his big pieces earlier in the season, got hurt for a while, couldn't really use him. Had an okay replacement for him, uh, but just wasn't enough. Uh, his quarterbacks, he's got Tom Brady, who obviously Tom Brady's Tom Brady, but then he's had to fill in that that second position with Heineke and a few other quarterbacks that just haven't been able to do it for him. So, yeah, and his running back situation just doesn't get any better. I mean, he's got Damian Harris and David Johnson at his running backs. So just not really a good spot for Lucas right now. So he's been my team on the tumble. Who do you have? Yeah, it's definitely um, a sensible pick. I only didn't choose Lucas because he said that he basically voluntarily locked his team in the group chat. And I, like I said, wanted to try to focus on teams that are still presumably competing for a playoff spot. I assume that Lucas is not since he said he's not going to trade and not really making many moves at this point. So I ended up going with the other team that I thought made sense for team on the tumble. And that's Sean, the football heads. So over the past four weeks, Sean has gone one and seven and has fallen from the number three seed overall to being in danger of dropping out of the top six, obviously dropping out of a playoff spot. In large part, um, being fair to Sean, this is due to his first round pick and the third overall selection of our draft, Derek Henry, who was the number one running back at that point, going down with injury for what some speculate will be the entire fantasy season. Obviously, that's just brutal to deal with. But on top of that, Aaron Rodgers and DeAndre Hopkins have missed games due to injury, or in Aaron Rodgers' case, COVID. And he has had to eat buys from Mark Andrews and Brandon Cooks during this stretch as well. Ultimately, I think Sean just kind of got the bad luck bug this season because his hypothetical lineup at full strength would actually be very, very scary with Andrew, or sorry, Aaron Rodgers and Derek Carr at quarterback. Derrick Henry and Daryl Henderson Jr. at running back, DeAndre Hopkins and Brandon Cooks leading the way at wide receiver, and Mark Andrews anchoring the team down at tight end. That is a star-studded lineup. Just so happens, like I said, that his best player of them all went down with potentially a season-ending injury and had surgery on that injury, Derrick Henry, and his other players he's had to deal with injury or bye weeks over this stretch. So it's kind of seen him take a major drop. I don't want to say a major drop. He's fallen from third to six and, but then he's, he still looks like he's kind of on his way down at this point. So it could potentially turn into a major drop, especially after last week's kind of clunker that he put up. I don't even know if he scored a hundred points. He was able, I don't know if he was able to manage even a hundred points last week, which is obviously 
unfortunate. But that hypothetical lineup that I just talked about, that could hang up there even with the likes of like Scott's current lineup. So just feels bad for Sean. Um, hopefully it's not going to be a lost season for him, but at this moment in time, it just seems to be trending down rather than up. So it looks like his season's going to pan out very differently from what could have been based on the injuries that he's dealing with. Um, I think that he's going to have to shore up his running back and flex options to make a really strong, consistent push at a playoff spot. And then obviously, even if he's able to get that playoff spot, to be able to make a deep run once the playoffs start, again, I think he's probably going to have to shore up running back and just, just kind of get better flex options. So team on the rise, we both had Otis and the Bell Cows. Team on the tumble, Eddie had Hugh Neutron, Lucas, and I had Sean, the football heads. So that is your team deep dive for this week. Eddie, let's get into matchup preview. Looking ahead at week 11, uh, give me your best matchup this week. So I actually had two here. Uh, I'm going to take the one that I don't think you're going to say. Um, and I have your matchup versus JC. Uh, There's another one that was really close there. So uh, we'll go ahead and roll with that one. So I think this is, like we mentioned earlier in the podcast, uh, I think this is this is a pretty important matchup in terms of kind of who can still contend with Scott in that first place spot and, and inch a little bit closer to him to take that bye week and who doesn't. Um, the two of you have a pretty a pretty decent lineup. Obviously, your lineup right now with Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, Jonathan Taylor, uh, James Robinson, C.D. Lamb, Adam Thielen, Kyle Pitts, uh, Nick Chubb at your flex, and Amari Cooper. And then on the other side, we have uh, Miles Sanders supposed to be coming back this week, which I think that's a really promising point for J.C. Uh, Najee Harris, Kirk Cousins, and Matt Ryan. Um, I think it'll be a really fun matchup. I think the tight end matchup should be really fun this week. And uh, I think JC is going to need some pretty good performances from both of his uh, quarterbacks. Kirk Cousins, obviously, is a top 10. And then Matt Ryan is sitting right inside the top 20 at 19. So I think he's going to need some really good performances from the two from those two guys to to really be able to, to contend with your lineup. Um, and again, we'll see how Miles Sanders does. We saw earlier in the year that the Eagles are just horrible at managing how they use Miles Sanders. So we'll see if that turns around when he comes back and they actually use him to, to his ability and his strengths. So that's the matchup that I have. What you got? I'm glad you went with that one. I'm going to take what I presume is the other pick that you were considering. And that is auto rocket versus the Thundercats Scott versus Nick. Uh, I really struggled to pick a winner in this one, despite, and you'll, you'll hear who I picked obviously shortly, but despite Scott presumably having his full strength lineup back with hopefully Kyler Murray returning this week, that's, no slight to Scott that I was kind of struggling to pick who I thought would win this matchup, but Nick has some heavy hitters in his lineup, like Christian McCaffrey, Josh Allen, Justin Jefferson, and now he just got Stephon Diggs. Not only that, but his non-heavy hitters like Ryan Tannehill, Miles Gaskin, and both his defense and his kicker are getting some very soft matchups against the Texans and the Jets this week across all those players and units, whatever you want to call them. But then on the other hand, Scott's lineup is full of virtually all heavy hitters, and he is our number one seed in the entire league right now. So let's put it this way. There are not many teams pitted up against Scott that can really make me think hard about who I want to pick as my winner, but I will say Nick's team is one of them when he has you know no bye weeks, no injuries. So stay tuned for my pick on who's going to win this important matchup. Thing to watch for, Eddie, why don't you uh, give us your thing to watch for? 
Uh, this was a, a little bit of a tough decision for me to really to pin down what, what exactly um, I really wanted to go into this week looking at. And I think, and I've mentioned this in the past, I think it's kind of that mix up in that playoff area of who's really going to make it and who's not going to make it. Um, while I've mentioned in the past that, you know, some teams have a chance to, to make that leap or make that jump. I think this week with some of the matchups that are that we have right now, I think it's going to kind of create that separation a little bit. My honorable mention was actually not uh, Nick and Scott. It was actually Jake and Damon's um, for a different reason. And their matchup kind of is sitting right around that sixth place, uh, seventh place, fifth place playoff positioning and who's going to get in and who's not going to get in. Um, so their head-to-head matchup will, will, I think, play pretty greatly into the fact of, you know, who's going to be sitting there, who's going to make the playoffs. Um, I don't think Damon can really afford to lose here. Uh, he's going to have to win or else he's going to, be in danger of dropping out of playoff contention. Um, I don't think it would bump Jake too much up because he, he's pretty low down there and he needs a few weeks of some some 2-0 weeks to actually get in there. But uh, this will hurt Damon a little bit. So my biggest thing to watch for this week is just kind of looking at some of those middle-of-the-pack teams and seeing which one of them can stand out and if any trades are going to be made or any moves are going to be made within any of those teams to really make themselves have a final push for playoffs. Yeah. My thing to watch for is, is somewhat similar. It's the tight races at both the top and the bottom of the playoff picture. So at the top of the current playoff bracket, you have Scott, JC and me who are all within two games. That's just one week since we also, you know, obviously have two matchups per week with the median. We're all within two games of each other. And we have matchups of me versus JC um in the matchup i chose as my best of the week scott versus nick on tap this week so it's going to be a challenging week for all three of us uh, you know in the top three to stake our claim on getting that first round by and then at the bottom of the current playoff bracket you have you already kind of touched on this but you have damon with a 10 and 10 record barely holding the sixth and final playoff spot over nick who has the same record but around 15 points less than Damon. So he's kind of nipping at Damon's heels, right? Behind them, you have Jake, who is 9-11 and 11, after a strong week against Nick. And then even Mike, who's trying to make a late-season resurgence with an 8-12 and 12 record. Some of the matchups that will impose the biggest implications on the bottom of the playoff bracket this week are Kevin versus Mike, Damon versus Jake, and the previously mentioned Scott versus Nick Bout. I think I might have mentioned that Sean dropped to 6th but I'm now unsure because I'm pretty sure Damon's actually in six. I think Sean might be sitting at fifth. I don't know. You didn't, you didn't shoot out yeah, that uh, standing graphic like you promised. So I was a little was bit gonna, unclear about that. But I was going to mention this at the end of the podcast, but that will be out um, when this podcast gets released. So. Okay, sounds good. I think, I think the standings currently are obviously Scott, me, JC. And then I think it might be, I'm just going off the top of the dome here. I think it might be Kevin, Sean, Damon, and Nick. Yeah. Jake, Mike, maybe Lucas is Lucas and then, chilling out there, and then you and Kyron. Kyron, I think, are currently tied right now, but I have more yeah. points than him. So, so there's a lot of exchanging of of spots in the standings that yes. can still happen between now and the end of the regular season, and and there's going to be some like I don't necessarily I haven't looked at anybody else's schedule besides mine, but. I know for us three teams at the top, it is not a cakewalk because I play JC this week. I play Scott next week. So we're all going to be kind of exchanging blows here. 
at least at the top of the playoff bracket. I would assume if we're playing each other at the top, that must mean the middle teams are probably getting a chance at playing each other as well. So I would expect that there's going to be at least the potential for a lot of shakeup between now and the end of the regular season. Oh, the, I just kind of scroll through the schedule for the rest of the year, and it's going to be it's going to be fun. It'll be very fun to see some of these matchups play out. Most of the middle teams play each other. Um, That's fun towards yeah. the end of the season. So you Looking have Damon, to that. Damon and Kevin week fourteen. You have uh, Jake and Sean week fourteen. Um, it'll be fun. It'll be really yeah. fun. So. Well, let's get into the matchup predictions because there's there's a lot of pretty good matchups this week. A lot obviously that have implications on the standings for the playoffs. Um, first matchup of the week, we have Scooby and the gang versus Otis and the bell cows. Who do you have winning this one, Eddie? Got the bell cows coming out on top on this one. It's, it's hard to, to choose against your lineup right now. You guys have been doing tremendous. And with some of the recent acquisitions, it's just a little bit of an easier decision to make. So I'm going to go with your team. Yep. I have my team as well. Um, if for nothing else, then quarter Cordero Patterson is a game time decision. And he has been obviously a key piece for JC the entire season basically since he's picked him up. So I got Otis and the Bell Cows winning this one. Second matchup, Auto Rocket versus the Thundercats. This was my best matchup of the week. I said I had a little bit of a tough time picking a winner, but I did end up going with Thundercats. Scott's Scott's lineup if he has Kyler Murray is just so so good. So that yes. was my pick. Who do you have? That was the toughest one for me, I think, to make uh kind of looking at both of the lineups. They both have some really, really, really solid lineups. Um and I'm actually going to go with Auto Rocket on this one. Uh, I think he's able to pull off this little bit of an upset and, and kind of shake up the standings a little bit and make it exciting. So I'm going to go with Auto. I hope he does. I'm cheering for Nick to win because that well, would be good for me. That would be good for <laughs> me, right? I can climb, and, and hopefully if I beat JC, I would be able to jump Scott at that point. So yes. I hope for that to happen. The third matchup of the week, we have one Decimo Magnifico versus Hugh Neutron. Not necessarily the most exciting matchup of the week, but it should be somewhat evenly matched. Who did you end up picking for this matchup between you and Lucas? At this point, I'm just going to go with myself. I need some type of victory, whether it's a moral victory or not. So uh, I'm going to go with myself here. I think my lineup this week's pretty decent. Um, Baker Mayfield's questionable, but I'll have Cook. Kamara should be back this week. DJ Moore picked up Brian Edwards off of waivers, and he's had a pretty solid week last week. So... Um, so, yeah, and Edwards, I did pick him up before I was shut down. So throwing that out there just for anybody who's curious. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. I ended up going with Lucas in this matchup. Not really a, a heavy rhyme or reason. Just kind of uh, taking a quick scan at both of your lineups and what you have to work with this week. I just like Lucas's chances a little bit more, but I guess it doesn't doesn't really matter too much, no matter which way this matchup shakes out. But Let's move on to one that does matter and uh, could spell just about the end of the season for one of the teams if they don't if they're not able to pull out the win. Randy Marsh versus God of the Super Saiyans. Kevin versus Mike. I have Mike keeping his season alive here, winning head to head against Kevin. What is your prediction for this matchup? I have the same thing here. Um, obviously, Kevin has a little bit of a question mark with his quarterback situation. Ben Roethlisberger is supposed to be out again. Uh, at least ESPN has him out again. I'm not sure if he's going to be playing, um, but we'll see. Uh, if Ben doesn't play, he's going to need to pick up 
some scrub from the waivers. So he might have to play somebody from the waivers. It's probably not too great. So, and I think I like Mike's team just in general from top to bottom over Kevin's here. So go with Mike. That brings us to our second to last matchup. Rolf boy, Kyron versus the football head, Sean. Kyron was your honorable mention for team on the rise. Sean was my pick for team on the tumble. Uh, I kind of made my pick accordingly. I chose Kyron to keep the ball rolling here against a struggling football head roster. So I have Rolf Boy winning this one. How about you? That is exactly who I have winning this matchup. Um, again, Kyron's team has kind of been on a roll here as of late. So we'll see. Obviously, the biggest question marks are if Chubb does play, Dearness Johnson kind of gets a little bit of a uh, – his production's obviously not going to be as high just because Chubb's going to be back. So that's going to hurt him a little bit. Um, but I think the rest of his team will be able to push it out. I think Cam Newton's going to drop 35 points this week. So 35. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even put him in the fantasy over under section. That would have been a nice, uh, that would have been a nice one. old take for fantasy over under. I mean, he's playing Washington's defense, which they're terrible. Now 35 is a little yeah. bit of a stretch, but what a story. Washington's defense was, I believe one of the top three to four drafted yep. like consensus in all leagues. They're supposed to be a really good defense this year with Montez Sweat, Chase Young. Now both of those guys are out, Chase Young for the season, Montez Sweat for, I think, at least a month with a broken jaw. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've been healthy most of the year, and that defense has been awful. I don't think anybody could have seen that coming. So they've just been on the field way too much. That offense is so inconsistent that uh, that defense is literally on the field so much that it's, it's just hard to get into a rhythm for them. So That team has a yeah. lot of talented players. I mean, oh, Antonio yeah. Gibson's that, that super talented. Is but JD, very... yeah, JD McKissick's a nice compliment. Terry McLaurin is a, is a great talent. <laughs> yeah. Logan Thomas, I know he's been hurt, but when everybody's healthy, they have a lot of weapons. I think they just really need to get a franchise quarterback. Heineke's okay, but he's not a franchise quarterback. Yeah, he's a he's 20 viable. He's you, you think he, I thought he was a lot younger than he actually is. He's 28 years old. Yeah. So that he's a journeyman. I mean, he yes, might do he well for one season, but they need to get a franchise quarterback. Uh, before they get good. So yep. the last matchup of the week, uh, you've already briefly talked about it. The Rick is Rick versus Penguins of Madagascar. Very important matchup for the bottom of the playoff bracket. Um, I think that Jake is just a little bit too banged up with losing Robert Woods for the entire season. So I ended up going with Damon here. And also, I guess I should mention, Jake has Matt Stafford, who's on by. So he has to deal with that too. So I went with Damon. Yeah, you? same same reasons here. Uh, I went with Damon here. He's starting Trevor Simeon at, at his second quarterback position, which is never a good place to be. Um, and again, Matt Stafford's out this this week here, so not really a good spot for him to to just to be in general. So I think Damon pulls this one off. Jake was on the same page with you about Cam Newton having a big week. Unfortunately, I I felt bad because. Remember on Friday, I messaged everyone like, hey, uh, Kyron's going to be claiming Cam Newton because he had Sam Darnold all season. Mm-hmm. Um, let me know if anybody like wants me to strictly enforce the rule and, and start P.J. Walker since he was obviously the transition starter between Darnold and Cam yeah. Newton, who they brought in. Nobody messaged anything, so I was just like, all right. But then I think Jake maybe just forgot since Kyron obviously didn't have a healthy Carolina quarterback on his team. But I had to be the bearer of bad news this morning and be like, hey, man, uh, Kyron's claiming him. I, I sent a message to the group last week, and Jake was like, oh, yeah, no problem. Sorry, I must have just missed that. But I feel bad for making him start Trevor yeah. Simeon this week. <laughs> I think but, if he has Cam Newton in the spot there, I think I'd, I'd it would probably swing one way over the other. But it's just, yeah, Simeon's not great. 
Yeah, so it looks like we have all the same picks this week with the exception of I'm picking Thundercats over Auto Rocket. You are going vice versa. And then you're picking yourself over Lucas. I'm picking Lucas over you in that matchup. Listen, but that one's a little bit inconsequential. The disrespect of you to pick Lucas over me when he has a kicker <laughs> on by, it just hurts my soul. But uh, it's okay. I'm sure he'll get a kicker in his lineup. <laughs> I'm it's sure he'll deserved. get one I'm like bottom two, so. But cool. That brings us to the around the league portion of the podcast. So I think you can take it over for your yeah. for fantasy over under. Let's get it. So with our fantasy over under this week, we are doing uh, matchup over unders. So starting off at the very top, we're going to go with the Thundercats versus Auto. Uh, the over under on this one is set at three ten. Um, obviously, the Thundercats haven't been performing extremely well over the past couple of weeks, but that's also with the lack of Kyler Murray having not played. Uh, that takes a, a pretty big bite out of the the points total um, in his offense. Um, and Otto has been doing really well over the past few weeks. Um, both of them are projected, I believe, to score over 165 points this week. Obviously, I don't take too much into consideration with ESPN's um, projections, but just looking at how these teams have performed throughout the year, I think 310 was kind of a decent spot for me to put it at. So what do you have there? I'm taking the over. Uh very confidently. I expect this matchup to be a banger. Uh, I expect very high scores from both of these teams. And even if one doesn't happen to uh, shoot the moon here, I would expect that the other would carry them yeah. to the over for 310 points. So simple yep. as that for me. I agree. I also went with the over here. All right. Next, going to your matchup, Otis and the Belkows versus Scooby and the gang. Looking at count up some totals over the past few weeks scooby hasn't really performing hasn't been performing very well um if i'm not mistaken he's had two weeks where i don't even think he's cracked the 100 or barely cracked the 100 he dropped 109 last week um and the week before that he actually put up 158 so i must have been thinking of something else either way uh i put this one at 290 uh i think might have been a little bit low probably should have put it up a little bit higher for this one um considering you two do have the potential to really kind of put up some some big scores here. But 290 is what I have, and I'm actually going to take the over on this one. What do you got? I agree. I'm taking the over. Uh, two top three teams in this matchup. I think it's uh, pretty safe to assume that we'll each average 145 points at minimum, so I am also taking the over. All right, and then the very last one, we have the Rickus Rick versus Penguins of Madagascar. I have their over-under at 275. Um, I think both of these teams have been pretty inconsistent so far throughout the year. They have their weeks where they score really well, and then they have their weeks where they score pretty low. Um, and I'm actually going to take the under on this one. What do you got? It looks like we're going all the same picks this yeah. week because <laughs> I took the under on this one as well. Uh, 275 is definitely low. That's basically saying that each team is going to struggle to put up 135-ish points. Um, I think that that, I think that could happen with these two teams, even though they're both fighting for a playoff spot. I, I think with two kind of non-surefire teams, I think maybe one is bound to, to struggle. And I'm not saying out of these two teams in particular, but just when you see a matchup of basically two non-juggernauts, I think it's just bound to happen where one team struggles, and I think that, that could be enough to bring the total to under 275. So I wanted to yeah. not go triple overs. This just happened to be the matchup I picked the under on. So, Yep. All right. Well, 
I'm going to go ahead and pass it off to you here with our next section with our news and notes. So take it away. Yep. To, to wrap up the episode this week, as we always do with news and notes, the first piece of news is pretty big and it's, it's a huge blow to not only to Jake, but to the Los Angeles Rams, because I don't think that Odell can fill his shoes personally. But Robert Woods tore his ACL on Friday, just hours after the Rams signed fellow big name wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. First of all, Eddie, does this all but sink Jake shot at a playoff spot since he is already playing from high, from behind, so to speak, you know, not being in the top six? I think so. I, w- I wouldn't say completely sink him, but uh, I think it hurts pretty drastically. I think he needs every bit of points that he can get from uh, – from a wide receiver too, like Woods. Um, and he's just not going to have that here. And he needs those points. So I wouldn't say completely. I think if he if he's able to muster out some things and, and make some moves and things, I think he can kind of get him himself back into kind of that playoff contention and make that push, but definitely hurts. So Okay, so in terms of fantasy, and we're talking about individual player performance, who in the Rams offense do you foresee the loss of Robert Woods hurting the most? I think kind of while thinking about it a little bit more, uh, honestly, it might, might be Matt Stafford. Um, just because I think the the effect that Odell had on Baker Mayfield, uh, I think it might rub off on Matt Stafford in terms of trying to force the ball to Odell or getting him the ball because he's going to feel like he's going to need to get those targets to him. Um and I just don't think with Robert Woods, Robert Woods didn't demand that attention from any quarterback. So I think Matt Stafford was free to kind of throw the ball to whoever he wanted to without thinking, oh, is he going to be mad that I'm not throwing him the ball? Um, I think now with that setting in and Matt Stafford realizing he has Odell, I think we saw that last week as well. There were some throws where Matt Stafford, he, I mean, he threw two picks that game. And um, I think they just kind of came from trying to make too much happen. Um and, and some of those were towards Odell's direction. And, and it's just kind of how what happens when you have a receiver of that stature kind of come in as a quarterback. You're going to feel pressure to get him the ball because he's there for one reason and one reason only. That's the catch of football. So, yeah, I think Matt Stafford would be my pick too. Um, obviously, when Odell signed, any split of volume in that offense was just speculation until we actually saw them play together. Well, we never got to see everybody play together because Robert Woods tore his ACL before their first game altogether. So, you know, my, my initial thought was, okay, maybe this could either be, I don't want to say good for Cup, because where do you go if you're Cooper Cup? He's already the number one player in fantasy, not just wide receiver. But it could be fine for Cooper Cup, or it could be bad for Cooper Cup because maybe now opposing secondaries are going to double him. Um, but my worries or or thoughts about that potentially happening were kind of alleviated with his performance on Monday Night Football. He still put up, I think it was like 23 points, par for the course for Cooper Cup all season. Um, And that was without Robert Woods. So I think Cooper Cup is going to be fine. It looks like Matt Stafford is going to continue to target him very heavily. But then you saw Matt Stafford struggle. Cooper Cup had his run-of-the-mill game that he's been having as the number one player in fantasy all season. But Matt Stafford struggled, so it's not like their success comes in tandem. Cooper Cup can be successful with Matt Stafford struggling. But on the flip side, just because Cooper Cup was successful on Monday night, obviously that didn't mean a successful game for Matt Stafford. 
And I think, I mean, it's hard to say if that was because Robert Woods was gone, but he was the guy that struggled. And, and I think that those are your only two clear choices of who is it going to hurt. It's either going to be Cooper Cup because he's going to be double covered now that they don't have to pay attention to Woods, or it's going to be Matt Stafford because he has one less reliable wide receiver target in Robert Woods to take the pressure off. Yeah, um, and, and I mean, in the past couple of weeks, uh, Matt Stafford also hasn't done very great. He, he kind of looks throughout the season where he has a couple games of a slump, and then he has a few games where he does really well, and then he goes into a couple game slump again. Um, then he has a few games that he does really well. I think he has a, he has a bye week this week to kind of try to turn that around a little bit. But yeah, we'll see. I think right now, like you said, it's really only two options to really pick from. And I think statistically right now, Matt Stafford's obviously the obvious choice. So. So let's look at the opposite side of that question. And obviously we're taking Matt Stafford off the board as an answer because it wouldn't make sense that it would hurt him the most and then also help him the most. Who do you foresee Robert Woods going down for the season, helping the most in that offense? I think it's very clearly with the new addition, Odell. Um, I think if Woods was still there and Odell came in, I don't think his production would have been anything crazy obviously his touches were somewhat limited this past week he just came in there a few days before that he has to learn an entirely new offense so he probably learned maybe five to ten plays and that's what they put him out there to run they said okay these ten plays that you know will put you out there you run these routes for those combinations um anything outside of that we're not putting you in there i mean if you watch the game odell was rarely in there in any red zone anytime that they pass a 25 yard line odell was on the sideline um so I think as the times come and Odell having a bye week to actually absorb that playbook and kind of get an understanding and coming back, I think it just benefits Odell even more with what's going down just because now he's definitely the wide receiver too there. So I think I would actually go with a different route here. And I would say not just Daryl Henderson in particular, but Sony Michelle to the running back room for the Los Angeles Rams. Obviously, they are a pass-first offense. Um, however, Daryl Henderson has obviously been very relevant this year. But you'd be surprised to know that Robert Woods is actually, I don't want to say an integral part of their rushing game, but Robert Woods had, looks like, 10 carries this year. So he was obviously seeing carries on a regular basis. So not only are they... I would expect them to go to the running backs now. So you're kind of getting a little bit of that touch increase in terms of the rushing game for the running backs. But I would expect that somebody, I mean, I guess you said it could be Odell, could be Van Jefferson taking a bigger role. But I think that they're probably going to get their running backs a little bit more involved in the passing game as well and, and, you know, try to take that pressure off Matt Stafford by encouraging him to check down more when he just doesn't feel right about making a throw downfield now that he doesn't have that in sync piece like Robert Woods alongside Cooper cup. So I don't know. This is kind of speculation more so than the first question of who does it hurt the most, but I'm going to say just if for nothing else, for the sake of being different, I think it's going to help Daryl Henderson the most. Um, Our next piece of news core Daryl Patterson sprained an ankle this past week. And the reports earlier in the week were that he could miss a few weeks, but now he's a game time decision for Thursday night football. So that, makes me think that even if he misses this week, it would just be this week, um, not a few weeks. So, but, but he's in danger of missing at least tomorrow night's game, Thursday night football. Do you think that this injury, even if it's just for tomorrow night's game, but especially if it lingers for more than one week, 
would sink JC's chances at earning a first round buy since we're kind of in the home stretch of the fantasy season. And just as a reminder, he has me, Kyron, you, Eddie, and Mike left on his schedule to play in the regular season. Uh, I, again, I, I don't think I would say completely sink. Uh, that's a pretty soft schedule after your game uh, in terms of the competition that he's really facing. Um, I don't think any of those last three teams will really be probably be able to pull up, put up some of the points that his team is capable of doing. If Patterson is in that lineup. Um, I think it though, if he definitely does lose to you, it hurts a lot. Um, if he doesn't have Patterson in this week, again, that's a very important piece to his lineup and Patterson gets him a lot of points. Um, so I don't know if it'll completely sink it. Cause like you said, your schedule to the end of the year is a pretty tough one. Um, and I haven't taken a look at Scott's yet, but I'm going to assume it's probably a pretty decent schedule since he plays you next week. And, um, so I wouldn't say completely sinks it. I think he still has somewhat of a chance, um, but it does hurt it pretty bad for him to try to be able to make, uh, the playoffs and get that bye week. Yeah. I don't know Scott's schedule off the top of my head either, but I have JC this week then Scott, and then I'm not sure in which order, but I have you and Kyron over the last two weeks of the season. Looks like you're looking at Scott's schedule now or bringing it up. So Yeah, so he has you looking. next week. He's got Damon the week after that. And then the final week of this season, he has Kyron. So he's got a, I think he's got I, I think he could easily he could us. easily drop two out of those three, depending on well, he's playing Nick this week out. too. So yeah, I, I don't think he will because Scott's team is is yeah, it's still so solid, good. But it's but still he could potentially drop happen. three out of four, right? Because yeah. it is Nick, then me. Then Damon, those are three tough matchups back to back to back. He's definitely all three of us are going to have to earn it, right? Exactly. Um, this last piece of news changed a little bit from when I originally prepped the podcast. Andy Reid said originally that Chiefs running back Clyde Edwards-Alaire has quote a pretty good chance to play this week, but then I saw a piece of news today that said that the Chiefs may hold Clyde Edwards-Alaire out another week. Um, so I'm not sure. I think the Chiefs may be on bye next week. Not a hundred percent sure. Okay, so I think the idea of that piece of news, if I had to guess, you know, being a in on the Chiefs coaching staff is let's just hold him out one more week precautionary, and then he has an entire extra week to recover. And we know we're getting Clyde back at a hundred percent health after the bye week. That's what I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure what they're gonna do. Like I said, Andy Reid originally said he has a pretty good chance to play. And the report came out today that they might hold him out until after the bye week. But I think the question is still relevant because obviously he's going to return within the next two to three weeks. Um, with CEH returning, do you foresee him being anything more than a low-end running back too? Now, I don't know how fair the question is because I know directly leading up to the injury, he had a, he had a string of a couple pretty good games that would have probably put him in low-end running back one territory. But I personally do not see... Clyde Edwards Hilaire um, over like a, a full season being, I, I guess, a price spoiling my opinion here, but I don't see him being anything more than a low end running back, too. Yeah. Do you I, think, well, as he's returning from this injury, that he can be anything more than that? I don't think so. I think their offense has actually done really, so, like, pretty well without him in the backfield. Um, the backups have been doing a pretty decent job. I think, obviously, the Chiefs over the past few weeks have kind of been turning it around early on in the season, even when he was playing, the chiefs just weren't doing that well. Obviously you probably can't tie that directly to Clyde um, just because a few other pieces on that offense just weren't performing very well. But uh, 
I mean, ever since he hasn't played, they've been doing really well. And I think the backers have been doing a really good job in filling in that spot. So honestly, I can probably see that backfield turning into a running back committee where everyone's going to start getting some touches there. So I just don't think he's ever going to surpass that as a low end RB2. I think that's probably where he'll stay. And it might even drop from there, to be honest. So could you imagine if the Chiefs drafted Jonathan Taylor instead of Clyde? Oh, scary. Because Clyde was, I think, the first running back taken in that class. Taken in the first round with the last pick by the Chiefs after they won the Super Bowl. Imagine if they had Jonathan Taylor. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that offense would be absolutely ridiculous, even though it already semi is. But, I mean, running back like JT, yeah. Yeah, that would have been something. I mean, I, I love watching JT in, in Indianapolis regardless. JT is gonna JT is the the kind of player I can say with confidence at this point. He would ball no matter where he's at. Yeah. Regardless of offensive line. And that is a rare kind of running back. And that's um, and I was just about to say there aren't very many running backs that can do it. Uh, I think we saw with Ezekiel Elliott, I don't think he's as successful those first couple years when he was in Dallas, if he was anywhere else. That offensive line was absolutely ridiculous. We saw how he did. Once that offensive line completely went to shambles, he didn't do that great. I don't even think he cracked a thousand yards last year. Um, just not very great. So again, like you said, JT is that type of running back that can rush for a thousand plus yards without that old line. Well, I was going to say, I wanted to clarify that I don't necessarily mean like rushing champion, but take a look at like Najee Harris, just consistency. Like he's that good of a running back where he's not going to win a champion, a rushing championship every year but he's still going to rush for a thousand yards. He's still going to put in that decent amount of work um, in the backfield. I I'm kind of angling my take more around fantasy in particular, where like Najee Harris, the Steelers offensive line is bad, but Najee Harris has consistently been a top six running back all season long because I don't, I don't, I guess necessarily want to pinpoint it to any one thing in particular. It's probably mostly due to the volume that he's been seeing and the Steelers being willing to run their running back into the ground, <laughs> but it's had like 30 touches over the past, like five games, but he's durable. He is a reliable target out of the backfield in the passing game. Um, I don't want to necessarily say he's made the most of his opportunities when he's gotten touches. Cause he's not, he doesn't rack up the yards for huge totals, but he's a, a steady source that you can feed volume to. And I, again, can say with confidence in one of the toughest positions to play in the league, which is running back. I think Jonathan Taylor is also that dude. He can, he can hang with uh, some of the most durable running backs in the league, even being given a crazy workload. So I think that he's who cares to speculate, right? Cause he's going to be tied to the Colts for the next number of years. But I think regardless of where he would be, he would be a fantasy stud, I guess is right. my, my overall yeah. point that I agree with. Yeah. So, but that is it for me. Eddie. I don't know if you have anything to share. Uh, if not, you can close us out. Yeah. Nothing, nothing too crazy. Again, I will have the, the standings out uh, before this podcast comes out. Um, I just want to say thank you again for everybody for listening. Thank you for Nate for coming back. I'm excited to have you back. Um, and I'm excited to kind of keep recording these podcast episodes until the end of the season and continuing it on to next year. So that being said, everyone have a great one. We'll see you guys later. Eee.